You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum fi al-hawar as-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome to China Africa Talk. I'm Bridget Mutambira coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. Here's hoping you can hear us loud and clear on your favorite podcast from wherever you are listening from. Now this week we continue our chats with African reporters for their observations and perspectives on China. My guests Francis Emukule from Uganda and Pahia Siririka from Namibia recently concluded a four-month visit to China as part of a media program hosted by the China International Press Communications Center. And today they are sharing with us their experiences and impressions on China's medical system. Francis and Pahia, thanks. Glad to have you back on the program. Good to be back. Thank you for having us. So now both of you just uh, concluded your visit but are back home now in your respective countries. It's a bit of a tough one. That's if you haven't been here for long, but I'm sure you guys had some yeah. some encounters when when you were still in China. Maybe we could start with PJ. Uh, could you briefly tell us about what you know about the medical care in your country? And is it based on traditional methods or foreign methods? Let's start with what it's like in your country in Namibia. Well, um, the medical system here in Namibia is quite interesting. There are various uh, schemes that one can apply to, and it all depends on your pocket. Mm. Um, obviously, if you are a member of a certain organization that works well with a certain medical scheme, then you are expected to uh, to open a a a a record at that um, medical scheme. Okay. Um, we have the government one, which is called SEMAS, the Public Service Medical Aid um, Scheme, mm. uh, that the government has been doing really well in ensuring that um, most Namibians, especially those who work for government, uh, do have access to uh, medical care. Mm. Uh, but the, the the bone of contention here is for the longest, especially for us who have been covering health-related issues in the mm. country, is mm. it's not just about the accessibility of medical care. It's mm. quality medical health care mm, sure, sure. Um, that we have been preaching. So Namibia is, as much as we are very conventional in terms of we do have a history when it comes to traditional medicine, mm-hmm. In terms of leg- regulatory and government level, it's still an unfamiliar phenomenon. Okay. You know, although the health ministry does recognize traditional um, uh, doctors or healers, it's still one of those entities where, wow, okay, so what type of medicines are they using on people mm. and uh, is is this recognized? Are the herbs being used the correct one? Mm. So until there's a system in place that would regulate the types of medicine that traditionally are being used on people, mm. we we have uh, hugely relied on foreign methods when it comes to medical care. Okay. And uh, I think um, in terms of capacity, it's a problem. Mm. Um, that's where for countries to test themselves and their capabilities to provide for their citizens, they, they need to be scared. You know, there should be a pandemic to test the system. Mm. There should be, a, you know, a health sort of a, 
um, or a medical emergency to test our capacities and so forth. Mm. But definitely resources is one of the biggest hurdles when it comes to the manufacturing or the self-sustainability of countries in the medical profession. How about in Uganda, Francis? How's the situation like? Could you briefly tell us what you know about the medical care in your country? And is it based on traditional methods or foreign methods and, and stuff like that? How's, how's the medical uh, care like? Well, um, the situation in my country, Uganda, is basically what I know is uh, the majority of people that use conventional medicine, mm. uh, the so-called elites, and the others are the people that can barely afford conventional medicine. But basically, medical care in my country is based on conventional medicine. Okay. This is uh, partly because uh, because of the colonial times. Mm. It's not any different from what I asked. Because uh, uh, during the colonial times, mm. uh, around 1957, the law was actually put in place to uh, uh, criminalize the use of, uh, of herbal medicine. So mm. because of that, during that time, Uganda majority of Ugandan shied away from traditional medicine. Because actually at the time, I think around 1997, mm. some people were sentenced to, to jail for about 22 months. Mm. So there was a big scare. So, but until recently, uh, there has been a change of things where, you know, quite a number of traditional medicine practitioners started imbibing traditional medicine in their prescription. So there's actually a group or rising organization of, of, of herbalists that are coming up with uh, several medications and concoctions to, you know, to ma- majorly deal with uh, non-communicable disease pressure. And actually... Innovation into herbal medicine have also been put in place recently mm-hmm. during COVID, during the time uh, COVID was really at its peak. There is a herbal mixture that was actually created called COVIDX. Okay. Basically, the high quality standard is still a struggle, mm-hmm. but I think it can move in the right direction for my country. Okay. So both of you were in China for a period of four months. Did you ever visit the hospital? If you did, what were your impressions about the medical care systems in China versus your expectations? Uh, well, my expectations, first of all, when I came into China, I thought um, China is predominantly TCM. So when I visited a hospital, uh, it's a Was hospital it that uh, government hospital? Uh, basically mixes both conventional medicine treatment and uh, the Chinese TCM. Uh, okay. Yeah, I kept realizing that actually China is uh, one country that is not going to forget where it came from. I had the opportunity to undergo physiotherapy session. Okay. And mm-hmm. for me, it was a very, I don't know how it happened because I had neck pain mm-hmm. and uh, slightly around mid-back here. And then this doctor just sat me down. Mm-hmm and uh, used the base of his palm okay yeah and then started rubbing it around my neck mm. and i can't describe how swift the pain disappeared mm. it was a very simple procedure that that left me so relieved mm. and the impression i got was you know medical care shouldn't be complicated especially if enabling environments are put in place Okay. Yeah, yeah. How was your encounter? Was it any different from Francis's? What was your impression about the medical care system here in China versus your expectations? I think um, uh, all the three of us, uh, including you, Bridget, yes. uh, we are somewhat privileged as journalists to write about a lot of things, although we may not all the time experience them. So I've covered quite 
extensively um, China's contribution to Namibia's medical industry. Uh-huh. So I had an idea of how the medical world functions in China. And uh-huh. I was very well aware of the importance of traditional Chinese medicine. Right. And it's exactly the perception and the expectation that I got there. And it showed or indicated just exactly the way Francis is explaining that not everything has to be chemical related. Mm. You would literally be exhausted and all you need is just a 10 to 15 minute massage and that's it. That's it. Yeah, you're right. All you would need sometimes is just acupuncture in your back just for that blood circulation and that's it and the marriage between traditional and modern medicine it's something that should be embraced right sometimes you really do need chemicals sometimes you really do need the role of pharmaceuticals to create a medicine that would really solve or you know a a medical condition Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, Francis and I and some of our other um, journalists were privileged to not have experienced any uh, health scares or emergencies while there. Mm-hmm. So most of our tours around the country were education-based. Okay. We were toured around several health professionals or medical institutes mm-hmm. just for them to explain how the industry works, mm-hmm. that if a person is to go through surgery, this is the metal chip that is used so that it can align the bones together and mm. whatnot. And these are things that we really do need here in Africa because you will find people who have been in uh, very severe accidents and all they need is just that one chip to align their their, their mm. bones together. Mm. Uh, and, and, and these are the expectations that I got. I've been writing most about it, but right. when I ended up in China, I got to see different companies and how they work and how they function. And I think it, it, it's really important for us to be exposed to, to, to such industries. But I think the most important conversation here is there is no way we can do away with traditional medicine. Right. Whether right. it is herbs, mm-hmm. whether it is Namibians who are fantasized about elephant dung, mm. like like burning elephant dung and, and, and inhaling nose. it, we, whatever we, the we case may be. Uh, as long as it's regulated and <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really affect people's uh, bodies and, and, and uh, systems in the long run, mm. it's still things that we need to embrace in the long run, honestly. Okay, still on the traditional Chinese medicine, how do people in your country in in Namibia perceive traditional Chinese medicine? The traditional Chinese medicine is very realistic here to to the few who have been exposed to it and to the few who have experienced it because it tends to be somewhat more affordable than the other uh, modern medicine. Sometimes you may have backache and you just go through um, uh, you just go to a chiropractor and they just massage or they just crack not literally crack, but they just align your bones. Mm. So it has been widely embraced because these are also um, experts who are coming in with their expertise, Mm -hmm. transferring knowledge to Namibian medical professionals so that they can also carry out this um, activities here. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. affordability is a very important thing. And that's why I think when it comes to healthy 2020 China, they have been trying really hard to make this quality health affordable and to cut all costs, especially Mm. to the receiver of these services. Mm. Uh, It serves you no point as an institution, as government, as a country to have the best quality of healthcare, but no one can afford it. It doesn't make any sense. So I think Mm. you need to, there's a need to put 
policies or to reform policies to ensure that people can afford good quality health care. Mm-hmm. And these are the few steps that countries like Namibia and Uganda are going through as well, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the universal health care coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. You cannot sideline people uh, mm-hmm. in terms of accessing health care services. Uh, healthcare services should be affordable. Right. It, that is not even a debatable issue, sure. and everyone should have access to healthcare services. How does the access to medical services in China differ from from that of your country? Of course, yes, you were talking about Namibia, and we're talking about Uganda. These are two, and then we got China, a developing country. But how do they differ? Francis, oh, okay. <laughs> well, it differs quite a lot, you know. Mm. During the four months period in China, what I've learned as far as the health service provision in China is, it's mainly based on um, health insurance, whereby I learned that 80% government caters for 80 to 90% fees, uh, depending on the type of sickness. And also, I think a report I read somewhere is indicated that in around 2018, 2013, about the health insurance coverage in China is about 96.8%. So you can imagine almost guarantees that everyone will be able you know to acquire six to healthcare in china you know based on the health insurance coverage but in uganda access to healthcare like uh, just like in namibia it's, it's quite expensive uh, and um because it's expensive the common uganda will not go to the hospital someone will feel headache instead of going to the hospital to you know get checked out they'll just go to the counter over you know pharmacy and buy some panadol paracetamol yeah. Or if they have a stomach ache, they'll buy a painkiller or anything. Which Simply because they don't have the money to go to, you know, to the hospital. And for those that can afford some small money, they will take themselves to a the nearby clinic. The regulation is still a struggle here. You know, the government is doing its best to regulate these sprouting mm-hmm. clinics, but you know, it's, it's still an ongoing struggle. Um, it's 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 very much similar. The biggest issue is its affordability, mm-hmm. and as as Bridget is also highlighting or uh, trying to inquire on the accessibility, mm-hmm. the issue of accessibility. And I'm going to be very honest here in Namibia. Yes, you can access healthcare services, but affordability becomes the question of the day now. We have been um, fighting and debating about uh, medical professionals around the world to say pay up first before you get treated. It has been it has been the biggest <laughs> problem, and you cannot be having such a mode of 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 treatment when a person like Francis is highlighting that it's really a case of emergency. Mm. I need this operation done. The person who should be doing the signing of this medical aid so that funds can be released is really in need of medical assistance. And they are unable to do that. So we can't be talking about paying for service and then Mm. the service is rendered first. Mm. And I think we need to address some of these things when it comes to um, healthcare professionals Mm. around the world. That's true. I think Uganda and Namibia, we we do have certain levels when it comes to healthcare. We have hospitals, we have district Mm -hmm. hospitals. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the ratio is um, uh, in Uganda. But in Namibia, there have been, um, you know, information about um, one doctor to 100 patient ratio. Mm. That is scary. Mm-hmm. That is scary while you have medical graduates who, yeah, medical medical graduates um who are very much um capable of rendering uh, medical services to Namibians. Mm. So you are having this one doctor at district level 
very deep in Entebbe or very deep in, 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 in Vintuk, in rural informal settlement, who is going to be exhausted within an hour of just offering um, healthcare services. Mm. So that is also one element that needs to be looked at. And that, again, compromises the issue of quality healthcare. Mm. A doctor who has yeah. seen 50 patients in less than an hour is not going to be as energetic, vibrant, and giving his or her all when uh, they are on duty. So that also needs to be looked at. They really need to be well taken care of, mm. apart from the payment. So unfortunately, we don't have a Chinese doctor today on the program, but it would have been also nice to hear what the ratio is, what the patient-to-doctor ratio is, also considering that yeah. it's a big population as well. But it would be nice to hear. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Probably there's something common there. But just to wind off, given the chance to share information about medical care in China to visitors that are coming from Africa, for a short stay, like what you guys experienced, what would that information be? Personally, I think uh, I would really tell them to uh, get acquainted with how the, the, the public hospital system works, because mm. that's the, the where affordability at least exists, because sure. I'm quite sure private hospitals are uh, really expensive. And if they can, it's, it's okay for them to go for pres- for consultation in the hospital, mm-hmm. at least from my experience, mm-hmm. and then follow up on how you can get the proper medication based on the prescription mm. that the doctor has given you. Maybe because I've seen, I've, I've also bought medicine over the counter. Mm. So I think that is also possible to be done in China, mm. in my experience. The medicine works, so they have to make sure that they, they find the right, the right way to consume it by consulting medical practitioners so that they go and find the right medicine. That is if they don't have the health insurance, Mm. whatever can enable them afford these services on a much cheaper level. PJ. My my Ugandan brother forgot one very important thing when you are going to China. Uh You need to know (laughs) the language because it it is it is quite a a a hustle. It's quite um a, a difficult thing, especially as a visitor or a foreign national to go to a, a medical institution to seek medical help if you don't know at no, least language. basic Chinese. Mm. Um, the field of medicine is very complex. I may be having a headache and I may not know how to explain it mm. and then I might get the wrong medicine. So I think language is very important and that's one thing that we forget when we are um, navigating through the world of medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, paracetamol in uh, Europe is known as Panado in Uganda sure, and Namibia. Sure. So language is, <laughs> is really something big. Um, yeah. But apart from that, um, we we should really know what we are going through as, as, as people and we should go through proper body checkups we mm. tend to neglect ourselves yeah. and i know very well personally speaking i i may not be a sickly person mm. but i think it is important to go through a body a full body checkup at least twice a year mm. to go through a dental treatment right. at least twice a year right. um to go through a, a an acupuncture I, tap or session at least once mm. a year or so forth i'm very big on yoga mm. i think it's also a a very good healing process when it comes to controlling your thoughts mm. and, and and it's a it's type of a, a medicine routine thing for you to to be able to sit in such a posture 
walking on your back. So before you you seek such medical um, help, I think you should also be doing some Some of these things things, on your own. But overall, when you are heading to China, um, do a, a, a check on the type of institution that you're heading to the medical facility that you're going to, what it specializes in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, some of the things are not just general. You mm-hmm. may have an ankle issue and there is really an institution that specializes in yeah, such orthopedic, um, um, you know, related issues. So yeah. let's do research. I think it's very important to do research, to read up on our conditions and, and to communicate that information mm-hmm. properly to the mm-hmm. doctor because they are going to be doing their own examinations. Sure. But that should also yeah. be guided by the by what we tell them Mm. Uh, well i was going to share my experience because i had my second baby here in china a few months ago and and i had him in a public hospital (laughs) and there was actually no uh, communication there was just no communication nothing at all it was just language hi (laughs) hi yes no it was amazing. I don't want to lie to you. It worked out very well. It was much affordable. I think I'll still go for the public hospitals, even though the language issue is a problem. But a, a real doctor knows what's up. You know, I remember the, mm-hmm. <laughs> my gynae always asked me, why did you come here? You're the first foreigner to have a baby here. Why, why did you come here? And I was like, you know what? A doctor is a doctor. A patient is a patient. You just do you, I do me, and, and we sort it. We're done. We're cool. And that's just how it worked. So I had a lot of confidence. <laughs> it, I think the government hospitals, there's lots of supervision. So I kind of like had that comfort because even though there's one doctor there, but then there's, there's other doctors. Oh. They don't just work. You don't just have like one doctor coming to check up on you and stuff like that. There's a whole team and they you yeah. know they're being supervised there's like this team comes in and it's not just there's the main doctor but then he's supervising what this one has done nothing just goes out of hand that was my experience from the cleaners to to yeah, yeah to to the people who prepared food and everything there's always nobody works alone it's like did you do this right so that supervision even to a foreigner, you don't need to communicate. I mean, that that was that was it for me. That was it was amazing. I don't want to lie to you. They give you the confidence that things will be alright, alright. You know, you you, mm. you 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 just trust them with your life. That's that's yeah, basically that, that's what, just, that's what it was. It was strictly and so the, I would say at the end of the day, it was professional. You know, you just know you got a patient. You use yeah. it. They trust their machinery. I trust them. I you know you know that that it was just strictly professional service that's all i can just say and it worked out fine where you speak the same language but the service doesn't work out then what do we say now? yeah you see so sometimes it's not just oh, about, yeah. yeah it's about being professional governments need to build infrastructure sure inadequate yeah. healthcare infrastructure yeah. uh, that, that's a big thing yeah. and uh, and i think one of the the key issues that i also wanted to raise here when it comes to the healthcare industry mm. is uh, guys Honestly speaking, most of the diseases that exist in this world is just because of dirt. It's just hygiene. (laughs) When it comes to hepatitis, all of this stuff is just literally dirty water Mm. or defecation. So if if, if we maintain hygiene and all of this stuff, um, we, we, we are less likely to, 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 you know, to, to, to encounter these health issues. And this is really comorbidities and stuff that we have no control over. Yeah. So if government can put in measures of ensuring that sanitation and all of this stuff yeah. is, is, is really catered to, then we won't be having health 
emergencies. Imagine we do have people in Africa who die from TB and malaria. Yeah. These are curable diseases. Yeah. Yeah. How is that even possible? Yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of issues we need to look at, yeah. yeah. And it's a whole integration to make it work because the health system might be okay, but then if, if the transport network has also got issues and then you've got issues with the electricity and then you've got issues mm -hmm. with this and you've got issues with, it's a whole, like what you're saying, you may actually imagine getting the chain, yeah. medicine. Okay, you, you got the medicine, fine, everything is there, drink your medicine, but there's no water or the water is dirty. So you're not helping yeah. yourself, okay? You need to go for surgery, but there's no electricity. Um, yeah, things have ripple effects. Yeah. yeah. So it's a whole system. I wish we could go on and on and share our experiences. I hope to have you again in another episode on your experiences when you were here in China. Thank you very much okay. for the invite, Bridget. It's always good to be here. Thank okay. you, Bridget. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.